Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And since we left you hanging at the end of December, yes, the January episode was done in December, we were about to leave on an exciting adventure to Florida. And the beginning part, the leaving part, was very exciting because we had some bodacious cold spells. And had to be delayed just a few days. By the snow, too. By the snow, yes. So the day we left uh, was a whopping three below zero when we Ooh, got up in the morning. And um, as I think you know, we have a diesel pusher, and we had some hesitations about the diesel starting in the super. But due to the battery booster system that is built in that ties the house batteries into the automotive batteries, the engine cranked and cranked and started and then stopped, and then cranked and cranked and started and then stopped. But eventually, it did start. And stayed running, but so if was we had not very had happy. the motorhome in the parking lot, we couldn't have gotten it started. It was good you brought it to our no, house to make we could any, plug it in. Well, that helped, but it wasn't helped. essential. And then, of course, the other issue was, as you know, when you are inside your motorhome, you breathe, and uh, your breath has moisture in it, and. We had a very thick coating of ice on the inside the of our windshield, <laughs> and uh, we had to run the engines probably another half hour, 45 minutes before you could kind of peer through the little holes that our defrosters had made. So at so first we, we were delayed by out the of there. snow, and then we were delayed by the cold, which followed the snow, and uh, we didn't get away until noonish on the second day because we couldn't get things organized to get out of there. But finally, we headed down through Indiana and... Um, saw cars on the side of the road. I don't know. I guess we just got to kind of expect that if we leave in January, the, the weather is. is going to be bad up north. And the thing I want to add is, is, is Harry, uh, I always feel more confidence about our snow management teams in, in the Great Illinois. Lakes region <laughs> yes. than I do uh, when we head farther south because we've had really, I think, more terrifying experiences in the freezing rain belt Um, in our area everybody knows it snows they expect it to snow Uh, they get out there with those trucks and do what they can and if you time your departure as we tried to do uh, the road itself was fairly dry and fairly clear on the expressway but i had the whitest rv you've ever seen and our tow car and the tow car was was totally white white. and that's white from salt from the road salt Uh, as we drove down through indiana of course they had uh as they do up north, they salt the roads uh, generously, and it had generously migrated, <laughs> migrated to the RV. <laughs> so, we oh, filthy. and I hate and I hate a dirty RV. And, and you couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't it. do anything about it. I planned to fill us uh, with water. I was testing our water system <laughs> in the RV, which I think probably would have worked fine. But the testing of our house system <laughs> failed miserably. But the outside uh, spigot on our house was totally uh, frozen. Which is inside the garage. Which is inside the garage. That's exactly right, because it was three degrees below zero. It was frozen, so I couldn't get the hose, it could get any water out of the house in order to put it into the RV because the RV has a heated basement. So, and it felt very warm in the, in the belly of the RV uh, with the furnace running, but uh, couldn't put any water in. And boy, did we go through propane. Yes. Well, we carry 32 gallons. So 
that yes. we had to refuel before we hit Louisville. Yep. Well, that was uh, part of the deal. Uh, and if you're going to keep it warm, you're going to pay the price. It was worth it. Yes, it was definitely worth it. We headed down south, and now um, cold to us is below 60. <laughs> <laughs> As we watch... As we watch the temperatures up in the Northland and see they are still getting plenty of snow and plenty of cold weather. but So we drove fairly expeditiously to the Tampa Bay area. Um, the next two driving days were very long because the first one we got such a bad start. And we pretty much have been in the Tampa Bay area since we left home, although we have relocated a number of times in terms of campgrounds. Because this year we're trying a different strategy. If you've followed our travels in the past, you know that we have uh, kind of gone and sat for a month or so at a campground, uh, primarily in Texas, uh, and prior to that in San Diego. But uh, this year we decided, well, we'll just kind of head to Florida without much of a reservation and we'll see what's available. And so far that's worked out pretty well for us. We did make a couple of reservations um, for our first couple of days just because we wanted to have Make a place sure we to had stay. A place to but be. we'll get to that in yeah. the not too And in the other future. winters, we also went on rallies into Mexico. Yeah. So we well, pretty well had the, the places we were going to stay planned out before we left. So we'll see how this whimsical approach works for us this year. But first, we will have the news from the RV world. Brought to you by the RV Navigator. Da, 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 da. Well, I picked out some kind of interesting news articles that I thought we might like to uh, chat about. From the McAllen Monitor newspaper, it reports that uh, the Valley RV parks are full at the, after the beginning of the new year. They were they had an article earlier in December which reported that uh, in December, uh, when the winter Texans start to head to Texas, that uh, the parks were not too full. But they reported after the first of the year that RVing parks were pretty full in Texas, uh, as they usually are. And, of course, everybody is worried in the RV industry about how the high price of gas will affect people's willingness to uh, fill that 100-gallon tank and go somewhere. Um, <laughs> we but talk about that. I would say even if you weren't planning on going, if people had three below-degree temperatures, they suddenly became highly motivated to buy some gas and move south. <laughs> but that's, that's good news, and uh, we certainly enjoyed our time in southern Texas, and if you have a chance to get down there during the winter season uh, with all of the entertainment and the huge, nice, big parks. The campgrounds uh, are fabulous. Campground, yeah, it, it's, it's just a great experience, and uh, we're not exactly finding the same thing here in Florida. Uh, with that said, though, um, we should mention that uh, it's reported that at the end of uh, 06, there was a survey done by RV Traveler website, rvtraveler.com, and their surveys uh, were asking people what they're going to buy. And at the end of 06, the survey reported that 20% of those who were responding said that they were going to buy a new RV in the upcoming year, 2007. And that when they did the same survey uh, last year, they reported that only 7% said that they were going to buy a new RV or an, an RV. Could that be the wave <clears throat> of baby boomers hitting the market? Well, it's reverse of what you'd expect. Mm -hmm. 20% one year and 7% down to 7%. And that's, down. You know, so that's the gas. That's the gas. Yeah. Well, gas or their budget is constricted yeah, or the whatever. They, the buying, their buying expectations is substantially lower yeah, than, right. than it was the previous year. And I think that has to do with something with the optimism that people have with uh, what's going on in the, in the world today. You know, I think we're suffering some crises. You know, I look at the, at the prices of fuel down here, and we felt good when we were spending 
$3.21 for that's the lowest we've had for diesel whereas last year it was like 3 4 or 240 so that's a very dramatic increase in the price of gas 60 cents a gallon and you say whoa <laughs> uh, I don't know how long I can sustain that so and that's being reflected in uh, the survey results and the people's optimism also uh, uh fuel prices have uh created some needed need for layoffs uh, at Winnebago which is too bad. We hate to see the RV industry kind of take a dive, but, you know, that's that's the way it goes, especially when the, the numbers tell us that motorized vehicle sales were down 13.6% last year, and that's in 07. It'll be very interesting to see what happens in, in 08. Towables were down, but uh, motorized were down even more, so that's maybe a reflection of the fuel prices, but 13.6% is substantial, I would say. The first week that we were down here, uh, after leaving that very cold temperature, it was beautiful temperatures, and we had a great time because we were in a beautiful campground. Yes, one of the most beautiful campgrounds in the United States, I think. We we stayed at Desoto County Park, uh, which is in southern St. Petersburg, probably 25, 30 years ago. And it has lived on in our memories and since then. We were just so impressed with it, and in a tent. Things that you see in your youth aren't always the same when you revisit them, either because they have changed or you have changed and in this case DeSoto was just as we remembered it. Fort DeSoto is part of the Pinellas County Park system and as Martha found it was not in the campground guide anymore. Anymore. So we just had kind of remembered it. It is was it rated as one of the yes has a great website. Um, it is rated as one of the best beaches in the United States and in 19 in 2005 it was rated as the best beach. And you can camp right there in, on the water. On the water in some beautiful campgrounds, many of campsites. Are on the water. Um, Not all of them, but it was them. surprising that for a public campground, the sites were forty dollars a night, <laughs> which is a little expensive. That's one thing I definitely want to say about camping in Florida. We are finding it three to four times as expensive as it was in Texas last winter. Even considering if the monthly rates that they might uh, give you some discount, but. But Fort DeSoto uh, Park was beautiful. They have nice big sites with trees, and and you can back right up to the ocean. And a nice bike trail a along nice the beaches. Nice bike trail, all sorts of uh, great things. Um, and 50-amp service with water, but no sewer, so that uh, you can uh, live there comfortably in your RV. And they have tent sites as well as uh, big motorhome sites so that uh, everything is there for you. Well, they even had washers and dryers, which is unusual for a Outdoors. government park, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was $40 was a, a decent price, uh, a fairly expensive price, but... Uh, but it was very nice. It was a very nice park, and if you have a chance to visit it. From there, we headed over to Fort Wilderness, which is our first visit to the Disney Park, if you recognize that name. And I think the thing that impressed me most about the, the Fort Wilderness campsites were they were totally... Totally uniform, as you would expect with Disney. Every site was completely level. Every site had exactly the same hookups. Every site was was exactly the same. And whenever people left, a little troop of uh, people came out <laughs> we had and, to wait and to get in. Um, cleaned off the leaves and the debris. The lady the said, trees. they're cleaning your campsite. Yeah, we, <laughs> check-in time was 11 and we got there at 10-2 or something like that. Oh, 1 o'clock. We got there at 10-2 and we had to wait. And we thought, well, geez, they're not cleaning our, changing our sheets on our bed. No, what are they doing over there? Right. 
site. And there was a man with a leaf blower um, making the site and they and, and every site has a hose. I've never seen a hose before uh, that was provided. provided to wash off your your pad. And, of course, it had a nice table and a pad. And then the... The sewer connection was stainless steel, so that and the uh, bathrooms were stunning too. Yes, all air conditioned and things, and they they provided you with uh, with transportation within the park. They did not recommend that you drive your car once you got there, unless you were leaving the property. They said so. They rented you golf carts for a mere fifty dollars a day. <laughs> In addition to the fairly expensive. We were glad we had our bikes. They work just fine. <laughs> they have a tram, too, which takes you around to the various facilities. The The campground is large, and that's uh, it, it, of course, accommodates large RVs. Um, there were very and few it had a few fairly large throughs. section of cabins, too, if you Very large section of cabins, an right. And they had loops. So the sites were large, but they were mostly back ends. And there were all types of RVs there um it was amazing and we could only stay for four nights because the uh park was apparently full oh for the marathon for the marathon or whatever but uh it was apparently full for the rest of and the just time just as you have found if you stayed in disney hotels uh they supplied transportation to their parks yes you took and of course it offers the same to the main depot and then transferred to the buses that take you to the parks so then you didn't have to pay to park again but it was quite an experience um in terms of uh, uniformity, and uh, it was a nice nice place to stay. And within the campground, there's also what I would call a dinner theater, mm -hmm. if I use that word loosely, uh, where they put on the hoop-de-doo review. The hoop-de-doo. Uh, which was kind of um, a comedy musical show. Uh, bits of it went on in between the various courses of the meal. And that was nicely done. Disney does a good job of those And things. we were uh, a little surprised, I guess not too surprised that there were very few kids and lots of uh, old geezer types like us. Well, um, in January. And it was very quiet as campgrounds go, which was a surprise. And, you know, it had nice trees and nice foliage, and it was well, obviously nice very, very main, well-maintained Oh, pools. and they also had a stable there where you could stable. do little horseback rides. All you needed is money. All you needed was money. But it wasn't that expensive. We stayed there in right after the first of the year, so it was kind of semi-low season. I think it was only $47 a night. A bargain. A true bargain by, by the standards there. Of Florida. And, of course, one of the reasons we were in that area is to go to the the Tampa Super Show, or the RV show. And it's one of the largest in the country, and uh, this year they had uh, 48,700 people attend, which was down from last year, but only by 400, so that's insignificant. That was over five days, six days? Four days, Four yeah. Days. And they had 130 manufacturers of RVs, which is an incredible number, and 1,312 RVs to go into and look at. Wow. And I and think were, I saw most of them. It was uh, the largest number uh, we've ever seen to go into and, and more than what's at the National RV Show. And very conveniently for us, uh, it takes place at the state fairgrounds and we could camp on the grass at the fairgrounds. Uh, and they supplied electricity if you wanted to pay for it. Uh, after a while, they supplied electricity. Well, they had, <laughs> they little, had problems with the generator glitch, company. But so that was a, a, a pretty good experience, and we had a chance to look at all the new RVs, and now we're going to uh, maybe talk a little bit about some of the things that we saw in addition to the $1.7 million <laughs> vehicle that you could walk through and, uh, and take a look at. 
they I don't know. I don't think I would trade mine for a one point seven. Well, we're not Donald Trump kind of people. That's how those really yeah, expensive uh, ones are decorated. Yeah, the the difference in price goes into things that we don't really Accessories, appreciate. Accessory lighting, recessed lighting in the ceiling and and fancy woodwork and that sort they of were thing. beautiful. Well, they were they were nice to look at, but I don't know. You know, we like for instance, they had the, the polished, shiny f- tile floors, and that's one of the things that's really amazing, is is that carpeting is really out this year. This year, and that they have these polished, you know, stone floors of some sort. And having just come from the beach park, we uh, had Where been we dealing with sand on our minute. shoes. We thought, oh, that might not be too good. Yeah, it looks really nice when you walk in and it's it's polished, but you can imagine that if it gets scratches on it or gets dirty, that it's gonna it's gonna start looking bad. So we saw lots of Class A's, um, including of course uh, Dutch stars like our own, and we didn't see too many new floor plans. Although the thing that is, that surprised me was how many now have a bath and a half. And that seemed to be a, a big trend in these. And that's something, that once again, that we don't really appreciate. And, of course, many of the manufacturers have full wall slides, which gives you two slides, but the one slide is gargantuan, being a full wall, and gives you interesting ways to uh, look at the floor plan because the bathroom is in the middle, and then they have the dresser and stuff on the slide on the outside. And we also saw a lot of Class Bs that had slides, which made them a lot well, more viable, I well, think. Well, or there's kind of a blurring of the types of vehicles that are available and that they're making. And that makes sense. I mean, there, there's now a, a luxury version of every type of vehicle. And that's the thing that kind of surprised me is that these small ones can be so luxurious on the inside. And reasonably spacious once you've got the slide out. That makes them a lot more viable for more lengthy camping trips. Well, by our, that's what we think anyway. But you find uh, Class Cs that are gargantuan, as big as a motorhome, and then you find Class Bs that are as big as the old Class Cs, and then you find nice small Class Cs uh, and Class Bs that... Uh, have slides on them, which add a lot of... I'm not sure we saw any Class Bs with slides. Class Bs are the van conversions. Certainly sleek-looking Class Cs with up to three slides. And fairly... Well, short ones and long ones, frankly. And then there were um, and those we're going to feature ones? some of these articles, some of these pictures that we took uh, on the website. So if you want to see some of these things that... Uh, we're talking about take a look at uh, at the website. Well, then we have a new category which is coming uh, online here. They have the design of a class C, but they are huge and they're called super Cs. So you can add that to your vocabulary. The super C RV and the super C is built on a Freightliner or Peterbilt chassis. So they have the front end of an 18-wheeler and frequently dual axles in the back, and the frequently as long or longer than a uh, Class A like ours, you know, with the big hood in the front and the engine, of course, in the front rather than being in the rear. They look to me like long-distance truck driver wannabes. I didn't like them very much. Well, you don't have the nice big view out the windows like we do, and and you're wasting, you know, if you got if you're measuring it by... By the number of feet you got, it's uh, the front end is all taken up with uh, 
engine, and so that's totally useless uh, in terms of livability. And the other thing our I, engine being in the back, we live right over the engine. I wonder about, um, you know, these truck um, components are designed to go forever, and that's one of the claims to fame. Well, that's what they said. But um, by then, all the other stuff in your RV starts wearing out. Your slides yeah. don't slide. For RVers, I'm not sure that that really is, is something that's... And your sewer backs up and all the other kinds of mechanical problems that you get after but a while these, many of these unit. were super luxury um and i didn't really see any low end of that particular variety because the chassis is probably so expensive and of course probably the cheapest unit we saw was um an import from china which is a really <laughs> interesting development the chinese we, don't we had a picture on our website last month and i re reported that they were actually importing them and we saw it ourselves um and the chinese don't camp but they're very good at getting our stuff and copying it and producing it very cheaply. And I suspect that this camper was probably worth what you would pay for it, but it was... Well, it was not cheap. ...small and light and simple. Once again, take a look at the picture. It's we'll, called iCamp. We'll see how, how well that does. And, of course, in a couple of years, you're going to be able to pull it with a Chinese, Chinese car. <laughs> or maybe a truck. Uh, but it was uh, you, it was pullable, towable by almost any vehicle. I think I could have pulled it on my bicycle. <laughs> Yeah, but they had several of those very small yeah. uh, A-frame, that A-frame one. And then or teardrop-shaped. The, the teardrop-shaped ones and, you know, with the kitchen that flips open in the back. Uh, so they were they were interesting. And w another category that we looked at uh, with some interest was the ones that are built on the Prevost bus chassis. Found out that the Prevost bus chassis costs about $425,000. That's just for the chassis and the motor and stuff. And then there was the Newell that is not built on the Prevost chassis, but is uh, from apparently a, a German manufacturer makes the chassis. And it had the tag on the back st was steerable, so it had rear steering as well as front steering. Now, some pickup trucks have that, and it, of course, reduces the, the turning radius dramatically. And they said that this Class A, and of course, Newell is top of the line, everything. Over a million dollar coaches. Yeah, over a million dollars because the chassis costs a lot. Uh, but with the steerable chassis, they said that this Class A could turn in 37 feet radius. So you could go downtown Main Street and parallel park, park. your motorhome. It was home. very strange to see the wheel in the back, though, turning. And we still saw lots of fireplaces inside RVs, oh, which yes. I think is very stupid. Uh, lots of toy haulers. Uh, big lots time. of units that people I think would use for tailgating uh, with big conversation pit uh, seating areas. And we also climbed into one that had rooftop. The show, the prize for the best of show at the industry awards, and it was and certainly it was an interesting. In it was actually, I was impressed that it was quite livable. I mean, you go up there, and it, it was all screened in, and it had uh, seating. Uh, like it, it, Yeah, it had a seating like in a U-shape, but you could also turn it into a bed. And it was pretty stable when you got up there. You yeah, didn't feel like you were, were pretty high. You didn't feel like you were kind of teetering off. And it wasn't... Uh, it wasn't flashy built on the inside, so you could see a family actually being able to afford it and, and, and making it livable. That would be a great little place for the kids, other than the fact that you have those stairs to keep running up yeah, and down. Yeah, you need young knees to Yeah, I don't remember whether it, had, whether it had a sink or anything up there. But, no. But for the kids, it would be, uh, yeah, it would be a nice, but it pops down, of course. And they didn't have one that was down, so I don't know where all that stuff was, but it was primarily canvas, so I think it was just a... Uh, it would collapse pretty small.
Yeah, but it had chairs and stuff. Anyway, so that was uh, an interesting, interesting trend. To see. Yes. Um, in terms of interiors, I was. I think we were impressed by the curvaceousness. Yeah, there are no square corners or straight lines. Some of these RVs you walk into and they're just like super Art Deco. Uh, you know, or curved everything. Or and modular. Yeah. Or yeah. It's hard to describe. And then some of them, and I think Airstream kind of uh, exemplifies this, uh, the, no wood. You know, they use uh, metalish looking finishes and and finishes that are not typical. I don't know. We kind of like <laughs> you yeah. know, nice they looking wood. They weren't cheap looking. No, they, they weren't. weren't no, wood. it wasn't cheap looking at all, but it was not... Uh, it was like soft satin finished metal or something. I don't know. But uh, these curvaceous lines and everything flowing from one piece into another. You know, the cabinets in most RVs, you can kind of see where they <laughs> where they end and, and where the next one picks up. But these were like one continuous finished unit that was uh, had everything built into it. So Undulating cabinets. Undulating cabinets. <laughs> so that was <laughs> quite something to see. And uh, a number of manufacturers had this type of uh, this type of vehicle, um, and many of them that was that was the way they were. They, there were no other choices um, that we could see. Well, there's so. interior decorating trends in the RV yeah, industry. Yeah, yeah. Like and I and I and I would homes. just think that they would be very trendy. It would kind of you know different kinds of wood kind of going in and out of style, but Lark, basically light to dark and dark to light. Yeah, but basically wood is uh, always popular, and the kind of subdued colors. I don't know, and, and of course lots of money. So that's uh, you hate to make a mistake in that regard, but. People were buying them, apparently, according to the article. The sales were pretty good. As a matter of fact, you know, something they were selling, this one company sold 40 Class A's while they were there. And that's <laughs> that's why they're there. That's that's the thing about this show that we noticed is, is that it is primarily a selling show and that the booths, although they say there were over 400 booths, uh, they were primarily selling lots. Or, or advertising camper. campgrounds all over the world. Uh-huh. Uh, so if you wanted leads, all over the United States, yeah, sorry. So if you wanted leads on places to stay, um, not necessarily to buy in, although that was certainly a hot topic too, uh, you could have gotten a lot of information, not just about Florida, but other parks too. And we're noticing that uh, there are more and more of these um, ownership campgrounds, kind of like uh, like a condo. Buy a lot. Yeah, you buy a lot. You know, you spend. $100,000 and you buy yourself a campsite that uh, you would go and use. And certainly that's a very popular thing here in Florida. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing lots of that as we drive around. And I think the next campground we're going to is one of these facilities, so we'll be able to give you a firsthand report. Although, of course, we're just renting for a temporary and period of time. And we're seeing a lot of for sale signs, too. We're seeing lots of for sale signs. And I'm not sure a hundred grand for a lot is something that too many people are really going to buy. I guess if they can make doesn't it go. Doesn't hurt to ask. Doesn't hurt to ask. Yes, it's an interesting concept. Uh, if you need a place to store your Class A and you want to leave it. Here in Florida. And you really like an area and you want to come back to it. Yeah, but then why have a, an RV? You may as well just buy a house. That gets to our next topic, and that is we were going to talk a little bit about a, a thread that I read about in the RV, you know, one of the forums that I read. People were talking about um, whether they would stay in camping or they would go to budget motelling. Because the campgrounds that we're staying in are fairly expensive, and we're finding that to be true here in Florida. Now, one of the problems is, of course, is that we have not made reservations. 
And we're staying short periods and of time. We're staying short periods of time. But last year you could stay in Texas for less than $400 for the month. Four weeks for $400 in round numbers. Whereas here in Florida, we're staying at this campground for a, a week, and it's costing us... What was it? Two seventy, I think. Two seventy, yeah. and we're staying at one next week in Fort Myers for four hundred. For four hundred, so. <laughs> and we had a hard <laughs> time even finding a place. To that's stay sixty in Fort bucks Myers. a night, and for sixty bucks a night. Now, what's our friend by spending in Fort Myers for a month? What, what? Uh, over a thousand. Yeah, and so, he reserved it last year, yeah, I think. Yeah, so, so I don't think this is when you look at the monthly prices. Prices they're usually at least a thousand, and these are not, uh, you know, beachfront. They're, super they're nice, but nothing special. You know, they include the full hookups and all that sort of stuff, but nothing more than that. So the question is, for 60 bucks a night, would I rather stay in a motel or would I rather stay in, a, in an RV? Well, that depends on who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the discussion. And, you know, maybe you would like to uh, call into our new caller hotline, which I can't remember the number of. <laughs> Now that my memory has been refreshed, we should have given you our contact information right up front, but didn't do that this time. So our listener uh, hotline, our listener comment and suggestion line is 815-230-0772. And, of course, we always like to hear from you and uh, and get your comments about what we're talking about. And right now we're talking about uh, budget motels versus camping. And with prices uh, so high... For camping, maybe it's cheaper just to stay in a motel, especially considering it cost us about $650 in fuel to get down here. And you could do it a lot cheaper in a car. Yeah, so why do we do RVing? We don't like to eat out all the time. We don't like to eat out all the time. And for $60 a night, you get yourself a pretty nice campsite, in all honesty. Usually it will have a view. For $60 a night, I don't know if you're going to have a motel. With a view. With a view. Plus, we don't have to worry about thin walls and people banging on them or or thudding and crashing of, of your neighbors being so close by. Lugging suitcases gets tiresome. Uh, lugging suitcases gets tiring. And we like to have all of our stuff with us. If we didn't have all of our stuff with us, we couldn't talk to you That's like we are That's right. Now. We couldn't bring our portable RV studio in a campground near you and be recording the latest episodes of the RV Navigator. So I think we're firm believers in the RVing lifestyle. And frankly, I think the price is very comparable to no, staying. it's not. You have to factor in the price of the RV also. Oh. This is not a way to save money. It's oh. a nice way to travel. Well, in the For long periods of time. Yeah. I mean, if you were traveling in a tent, you could save money. I should buy a tent? Well, the, the key issue for us at this point in our lives is that we like to go away for long periods of time. Uh -huh. And you can't sustain hotel bills. We can't for long periods of time. And eating out every day, three meals a day. So it would be more expensive expensive to stay in budget motels. For long periods of time, maybe. Yes. It's easier to rationalize <laughs> wait, having... Wait, you're vacillating here. <laughs> well, I hate to think about what it really all costs. <laughs> I see. <laughs> okay, so we'll leave it up to you, dear listeners. What do you think in terms of staying in a budget motel or staying in an RV? I think the prices are really fairly comparable. And you don't have to worry about bed bugs and filthy... Bed spreads. It's my dirt, my bathroom, yep. my TV. And I have to clean it. <laughs> exactly. 
So we should also kind of mention uh, our latest efforts in getting the RV technology components up to up to snuff. Oh my God, it's taken over our lives. <laughs> I had to drill another hole in the roof. Which, through the roof. Which doesn't seem to be leaking. A good thing. And he had this cable. I couldn't believe it. It was about 25 conductors. as thick as my thumb. And it had so many different colored wires in it. It was like a rat's nest. Well, you understand what happened is, is that because we moved the TV, the main TV, from the front to the mid-coach position. And I think there's, I'll put a picture up if there isn't one already but when we move it to the mid coach and you use the same speaker system that's built into the rv which i was so the front right becomes doing. the left rear well the front speakers become the rear speakers and vice versa and of course that requires major rewiring because i had to buy a new receiver because the new the old receiver just didn't do 6.1 surround sound the mind blurs the mind blurs only yours but when I did that, I needed this big, thick cable because the wiring for the speakers was in a different location than where I had the TV and the receiver. So the receiver is now mid-coach. The TV system is mid-coach. The satellite system is mid-coach. And all of that used to be in the front. And, of course, the wires, when they did the original wiring harness, the wires for the speakers were all in the front. And we also redid the wiring for the XM Ant radio antenna. XM radio, and, the, and I had to bring the antenna back to the mid-coach section because there was no antenna connection back there Which either. involved taking down some of the curtain track. And, and in all honesty, and looking at all these new RVs, there were not as many nice mid-coach entertainment systems as we really wanted to see. There have not been many innovations, really. In Class A's, and f and that's something else we should kind of mention is is that if you're looking for innovation in floor plans, you look at fifth, fifth wheel. wheels. If you're looking for Class A's, they're all there's small differences, but they're not major differences. The questions are: Is the kitchen in the front or is the kitchen in the middle? Yeah, and the mid coach entertainment system, which to me seems so logical, it just is not very popular. Now we did look at something that I would accept was the. Uh, was it the Beavers that had the TV, the big screen TV that well, flipped came down, down from the ceiling, from the, from that, the ceiling in the front? Have got to be expensive but then coaches. again, there were no chairs to look at it from, so that's always a problem. So you've probably encountered these issues also. So anyway, we have been working diligently to rewire the whole system, and I'm happy to say it's just about done. Yay! Yay! going to be moving on to Fort Myers area and points further south and we will be reporting to you from those places. Uh, once again we would appreciate some comments either send us an email at navigator at rvnavigator.com or give us a, a shout at the listener comment and suggestion line at 815-230-0772 and we'll get back to you and put your comments into the show if uh, if that's appropriate and you don't mind but uh, we would like to hear from you anyway so with that said uh, i think we will turn it over to next month and we will continue on down the road so for the time being this is ken your rv navigator and Martha, the co-pilot, wishing you happy travels, and we'll be looking for you at a campsite near us.